Are you ready? Hell yeah. Let's turn on the tunes. That's beautiful. That's really nice. <laughs> you should become a professional whistler. <laughs> Just whistle the me theme song for money. I don't know that oh. that'd be a very profitable business. Some people like it. I'm sure Martina would fully support you on that. What is the me theme song? The we. The we. Oh, From no. the me channel. The we me. Yes. <laughs> I got it now. I've not played a Wii in a very long time. Hi, friends. I'm Kylie. I'm Kenzie. Can you guess who that is? And And I'm Alex. And this is Accusin', Boozin', and Cruisin', a podcast where we're going for a little drive, doing a little drinking, and talking a lot about spooky and scary shit that goes bump in the night. A pre-warning, there will be some stories that may be too graphic or may have topics that might make you uncomfortable. We are also not promoting drinking and driving, so if you plan on drinking, make sure you have yourself a designated driver to get you where you need to go. Good job, guys. Do we have any life updates? Our whole county flooded historically this past week. Mm, yeah, I feel like the last time it got that bad was 1990, 1990. You, you feel like that? No, did you I read feel that? like that's where it was what I read. Yes, Why are you read. so mean already? <laughs> I just thought it's funny, like you remember. They, it seems to me. <laughs> I was around for that time. No they way. closed down our major freeway, so around here it's the the I five, <laughs> the five. California used to say like the five, but people up here when you say that, I feel like they get confused. I've never heard is. anybody call it the five. That's why I just, just now. I just said Californians <laughs> do it. Yeah, like cities are underwater. It's really cr- not underwater, but like very flooded. People had to be evacuated by SWAT team mm-hmm. from their houses, mm-hmm. and there were landslides, and so. Yeah. People had to get evacuated that the, way. The county yeah. called in for a help from everyone in the community if they had, like, boats to come and rescue people. It was yeah. bad. It was crazy. Parts of roads fell off. Yeah, and I mean, like, we get a lot of rain here. We do. But I feel like it was our first big, big, heavy rain of the year. And so nothing was really ready to, like, soak up all Especially that after that, like, historical heat, heat of the summer dry, we had. Yeah, yeah. dry yeah. summer. Yeah. Things yeah. were just it was, too hard. It was just combo. crazy. And, like, you could see these stories from people around the county and, like, what the water had done around them. And it was just crazy. At least for me, because where I was, it was heavy rain, but no flooding. Yeah, so all of us crazy. all of us and our families are fine. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, my sister was evacuated, but her house actually, her, her apartment building didn't actually get any damage. Oh, and then my brother... Was not asked to evacuate, despite the fact that his building was completely <laughs> surrounded with water right up to his doorway, but not coming into it. Yeah, and the fact that that the city he's in could have gotten like ten feet of water. Yeah, yeah. He lives in Sumas, which used to be a lake until we decided to not make it a lake. Just Unlike like it. literally, we they decided to drain the Did lake. Did you not know? I didn't know that. Oh, My yeah. jaw just like hit the Yeah, ground. the big like Sumas area and up into the Sumas area in Canada as well used to be a big lake called Lake Sumas that would regularly flood up to three times its its size. And then they decided, we're just going to drain this so that we can have more farmland. Wow. And so they did. That was back in like the 20s or the 30s, I think. That and makes sense why that area 
floods the most. Yeah. Then. And the, the only reason it doesn't flood more often is because there's four big pumps in up in Fraser. That, Canada. Um, that redirect the, the rivers that feed the lake. And they were thinking they might fail. And so they were going to get like 10 to 15 more feet of water in Sumas. It was crazy. So far that hasn't happened. We and had one road by Alex and I's apartment that was flooded pretty bad. It looked like it was at least like three feet of water. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, I had to go get my brother out of Sumas one night because they said, they didn't say you should evacuate. They said, if you could leave, maybe now would be like a good <laughs> yeah, time. Yeah, and the guy's like, I'm watching to. the water as I type yeah, this. Yeah, the city of Sumas wow. didn't handle, very, handle it all, all very well. They're like downplaying it, but anyway, um, I had to drive through some uh, a foot and a half to two feet of water in a couple spots just to get my brother out of that out of the city. Luckily, Alex has a very big truck. I got a big old truck. It's tall. <laughs> okay. What I do? Any other? Not compensating for anything. <laughs> Any other <laughs> life updates? I've been working at the station a lot, mm-hmm. getting a lot of calls. Stella started school. It was pushed back a couple days because of the flooding, but she started school, which is fun. Super exciting. Yeah. She hates it, but loves it. She hates being <laughs> dropped off, but hates being picked up. Mm. She was really excited on her first day. I got yes. in the car with you, and she told me all about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nope. I got nothing else. Okay. All right. So, the drink for Michigan. We're, we're in Michigan. Okay. Is called the Hummer. This popular Michigan drink, which is thick and creamy and tastes like coffee ice cream, is credited to bartender Jerome Adams, who invented it one night in 1968 at the Bayview Yacht Club in Detroit. The drink caught on with the local sailing set and over time spread inland. Mr. Adams, who died in 2018, went on to bartend at the club for 50 more years, making countless hummers along the way. I want to be an old person bartending at a club. That sounds like a good (laughs) fucking time. Um, the Hummer consists of one and a half ounces of white rum, preferably Bacardi, uh, one and a half ounces of Kahlua or another coffee liqueur, two scoops of vanilla ice cream, and half a cup of crushed ice. And then you just blend it all up and it's a milkshake. I'm excited about this one. I am too, but, um, it's not, it's not a milkshake. It is. I didn't add enough, (laughs) um, ice cream when I made it or enough ice. I'm not sure. I got one of those proportions wrong. There's chunks of ice cream. But, um... No, I feel like there's more chunks of ice. No, no, there's chunks of ice, but there's... This is ice cream. Oh. Well, mix it up. (laughs) It'll taste the same. I'm so excited for my sensory issues (laughs) to to try this. And we pulled out some fun (laughs) straws tonight. Okay. Are you ready? Tippy tappy. (laughs) (laughs) You don't like it? Kylie's making the same face she makes every time she tries a drink. Why don't you like it? That's Bacardi. She oh. just, it's, it's just Bacardi. Alcohol. She makes that face when she drinks alcohol. That is alcohol. not true. I didn't make that face when I tried the pond water. Why is she trying to be so cute when she drinks this? Because all my pictures always look like crap. <laughs> same. <laughs> I really like this. I mean, yeah, we are taking pictures to post on Instagram, so. And Try looking a little better next time, babe. All right. Yeah, no, I feel like we always just look like we're in scrubs, so. And I feel like we get the worst pictures of each other. We're not nice it's to each other. It's on purpose. We're not nice. <laughs> Ugh, okay. 
Okay, well, I'm not excited to finish this. I was kind of excited to drink it because we've never had a frozen drink, but... Yours might have more alcohol than mine. It's just Bacardi. They're switching now. <laughs> it tastes the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't All right. help. Ooh! Alex, what facts you got for us? Turn your your uh, your sound off. Please he's silence getting, your cell phones now. He's getting now. Bionicle updates on Instagram. What is that? Notifications? Because he's a big shot Bionicle oh. Instagrammer. And I haven't posted anything in several months. Speaking of Bionicles, uh, Miss Mom over here told Alex and I we're not allowed to have Bionicles at the table while recording anymore. Because we were playing with one last time. So if you heard little taps in the background. It was like little taps and you could just like hear it like (laughs) shifting around. And it drove me crazy when I was editing. We thought we were so funny. It was absolutely destroying our otherwise flawless audio (laughs) quality. You can be the one to set everything (laughs) up and edit if you would like to complain about it. All right. Who wants to hear some facts about Michigan? Not me. I do. Oh. I'm excited because it's another one of Alex's favorite states. It is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Michigan is the state besides Washington in which I have spent the most time. Not Oregon, which is really close, but Michigan, which is two really to 3,000 miles away. <laughs> because I have family there. We'll get to it. First off, Great. some general information about Michigan. It is the 26th state and was admitted in 1837. What are you guys doing? I was trying to get her toes. I'm getting a coaster. <gasps> okay. Oh, you know what I have? Can you get my purse? Yeah. Long arms? Did you, you get more coasters? What I have? Do you remember that time we went out and we got those drinks? Oh, maybe I don't have them. Which oh, time? no. Let me just empty my purse. Once again, I'm less than one second into my segment. <laughs> <laughs> well... If you guys are following along, I complained about having coasters. Do you know what coasters. I have? I saved them. Kylie Ooh. and I have started getting coasters from the restaurants and bars we go to, and we're going to keep them around the apartment. Cute. Uh, I love it. I love it. I'm so sorry, Alex. You Go ahead. Okay. It's all good. I'm ready. <laughs> I just was excited. <laughs> Me too. As I was saying, very, very interestingly. <laughs> Michigan is the 26th state and was admitted in 1837. Its capital is Lansing. Its largest city is Detroit. It is the 11th largest state and the 10th highest population. And those numbers seemed really big to me at first. Like, wow, it's 10 or it's 11th. That's pretty high. But really, that's just like the top fifth. There's only 50. Yeah. I feel like it'd be more impressive if there was 100. We should divide every state in half. California tried to do that. Yeah. They tried to split into three. That was like a trivia question recently. It was. What was Where? that one? Where were we? Oh, we were playing um, the oh, Trivillennial. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were playing a game. game called Trivillennial. It's millennial trivia. Because, you know, when you're playing are trivia games. No, I feel like we just missed it. We are right, we're technically first, like the first people in Gen Z, I think, 1997. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Bad. Oh. I would much rather it's be a not millennial. bad or good, it's just... In my opinion, Okay. I would rather be a millennial at well, this point. Well, every generation hates the generation that came after them, so... True. Anyway, some nicknames for the great state of Michigan are the Great Lakes State. The Wolverine State. The, <clears throat> I got something stuck in my throat today. Sorry. 
<coughs> Beautiful. The mitten state. Because it's shaped like a mitten. What? Yeah. Wow. Well, some of it is. And then there's just like the weird top part also. And the water winter wonderland. But winter is in parentheses. So it's the water winter wonderland. <laughs> Which I don't, I don't really. I mean, it. yeah, it, it gets cold in the winter. So it's pretty snowy. And, you know, there's snowmobiling and stuff. And also it's surrounded by a lot of water. So it makes sense. It's just a weirdly, weirdly organized nickname. Grammatically, I feel like <clears throat> that would make more sense to be in quotations than in parentheses. You know, I don't. I don't know why it has to be separate yeah. at all. Why can't it just be the water winter wonderland? True. I, I say that five I mean, times fast. That's water pretty... winter wonderland. Water 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 winter wonderland. So Thank you. The motto of the state of Michigan. Is something in Latin, but it translates to, if you seek a pleasant peninsula, look about you. Okay. Which I think is kind of silly. (laughs) (laughs) If you seek a pleasant peninsula, look about you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Pay attention. It's cute. I am. I'm taking pictures. (laughs) They're calling themselves a pleasant peninsula, which I get, but... If you think about it for a second, it doesn't really make sense. If you seek a pleasant peninsula, look about you. If you're looking for something, oh, you're already there. That's, Congratulations. That's not, that's not helpful. It's just, if you're seeking one, there's probably one around you because. Oh, so I, living in Washington. Not here. No. Seeking a pleasant peninsula no, should merely look about me. It's for Michigan, not for Washington. But yeah, the logic is there. Semiamu? The logic is there. Yeah. The spit is a pleasant peninsula. It is. So is the Olympic Peninsula. It is. I feel like states with peninsulas are like states with panhandles in that they are superior to all other states. Hmm. And also penises. Kind of. The highest elevation in Michigan is 1,979 feet. For comparison, Mount Baker, our local snow and ski mountain, is 10,000 feet. And it's not even the tallest mountain. Kylie hates this drink. I'm so sorry. She just took a drink and she just looked like she was going to throw up. Which is so strange. I don't like Bacardi. (laughs) Sorry, keep going. I don't, I just, I didn't think about it until, I didn't think of it this way until recently. But Michigan is a pretty low-lying state. Like I said, its highest elevation is just under 2,000 feet, and our local mountain is greater than 10,000 feet high. Um, Michigan is bordered by four out of five Great Lakes, the Great Lakes being Holmes, Huron, Ontario, Michigan, Erie, and Superior. But the uh, the one that does not border Michigan is Ontario. And it also has a huge Lake St. Clair on the um, eastern edge of it, which is not technically one of the Great Lakes, and it's way smaller. But it's a pretty big lake if you look at it on a map. And it also has 64,980 other lakes and ponds. Oh, my God. Which I thought was pretty funny because Minnesota calls itself the land of 10,000 lakes. It's like, why would you even make your nickname 
relevant to your amount of lakes when Michigan is right there and has way more lakes. (laughs) And so prompted by that, I looked up which state has the most lakes, and it's Alaska with three million. Holy shit. That's a lot of lakes. (laughs) Alaska's huge, and it's... Mostly uninhabited. Yeah, I guess. And it's all broken up. I guess I never just, like, I think it's because it's not hooked to us. <coughs> I don't think about it very often. Yeah. Or think about it being a And part it's not of us. very highly populated. Yeah. So you just don't think about it a lot. Um, but yeah, they got 3 million lakes up there. Although only 3,197 of them are officially named. Whereas Minnesota has actually 15,000 officially named lakes. Do you think it's kind of like buying a star? Can you buy a lake and name it? I no, I feel like buying You know a st- what I mean. I know what you mean. You know what I, I mean? don't think so, though, because I Damn. think it might be government Maybe. property, but I don't know if Damn. lakes are. Or stars you might are. be able to name it, but you probably can't just buy it. <laughs> That's not what, I don't mean buy it. I buy don't the know. rights to the name? Something. Maybe. Wanna, Maybe I that's a good program a that, like, especially Alaska should put into place. Like, What would you name a lake? You think about it and you get back to us on Craig. the next episode. Golly. Craig. After Toa of Water. Golly. Is that a bonicle thing? Yep. <laughs> Craig after Craig. Craig? Craig? Do you even know There's someone? There's a Craig Alaska. I do know a Craig. Foster? Why do you want to name a lake after it? It is the first name that came to my head. <laughs> There's already a place in Alaska named Craig. Well, great. They can have a lake named Craig. It's on the water. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lots of fucking lakes in Michigan, including four out of five of the great ones. <laughs> the rest of my... <laughs> notes are just about my personal connections to Michigan. Have, so um, if you're looking for interesting factual information, you're in the wrong place. Do you have laws? I did not get any weird laws. I'll work on them while uh, somebody else is doing their case, and then okay. I'll jump okay. back in or we can, we with can. some weird laws. Look. Yeah, you guys can look them up right now if you want to. That'd be great. So the next part is called my personal connection section. Which is a segment cute. I might add I like that. <laughs> to the rest that of That is my so cute. <laughs> rest of the states. At least the states I've either been to or have some other personal fascination with. Anyway, personal connection section. I have many family members who live in Michigan. My dad was born and raised there in and around the small town of Manchester, Michigan, which is kind of like 20 to 30 to 40 minutes east of... Detroit, near Ann Arbor. It's a small town. Have you ever heard of the world-famous Manchester chicken broil? Fuck off. <laughs> I have not, and I've been waiting for this episode because it's an inside joke with Alex's family, <laughs> and Kylie knows it, and I don't know it, and they it's, reference it a lot. Literally. It's not like an inside, I don't, it's just stupid. Literally, the whole joke is that it's called the world famous Manchester chicken broil, even though it just takes place in this small no, town in Michigan and nobody ever, ever actually knows about it. Have you ever heard of it beside it. for us? No. That's because it's not world famous. It's just there. But my dad always, always brings it up and is like, no, of course you've never heard of it because it's not that world well, famous. Well, then your whole family goes on like tangents about like who went this one year and who did Oh, yeah, so there's always arguments like, about who's been matter? and who hasn't been. 
I know that I have driven by and we picked up some chicken, but we didn't stay. So I've eaten the chicken from the Manchester chicken broil. It was good. Like world famous good? Like it was chicken. Hmm. It was good. I have a law. Well, he usually does them at the end. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hold your hold, hold your, your laws to the hold end. Hold your laws. Horses. <laughs> it's about a cow, actually. Okay. <laughs> hold your cow laws to the <laughs> end, please. Uh, I have two aunts, one uncle, as well as three cousins, and one cousin once removed, and my grandma, who all live in Michigan, and probably. Some other family that I'm forgetting. But those are the people that I remember. I have met most of them. Yes. Some of them. You have. You've actually met everyone that lives in Michigan. Look at that. Still. Some of my dad's family doesn't live in Michigan anymore. Um, I visited Michigan six or seven times over my lifetime. And I spent most of my time there hanging out with my much beloved cousin Randy. He's a couple years older than me, and we've been best friends since, as far as I can remember. I have always wished that my cousins and I were closer. It's always been geographical that we're not, um, but that's, I'm envious of anyone who has, like, a best friend that's a cousin. Randy's pretty cool. I am lucky to have two. I have one on my dad's side, Randy, and one on my mom's side, Jesse, that are pretty close to my age and I'm very close with both of them closer to Jesse because he lives closer but I Try to I love Randy, Randy just as much <laughs> yeah I always forget that Jesse's your he cousin no. and not just like your good friend from right childhood. yeah because yeah we're just like really good friends yeah. and I, I am with Randy too it's just we only see it's each other once every couple of years yeah. for yep. a few days at once um when I hang out with Randy in Michigan, we do random stuff like drive to amusement parks in Ohio, play with Lego, talk shit about the rest of the family. No, not actually. If any of my family's listening, I was just kidding about He's that. He's lying. That's what they do. Play games, <laughs> throw axes, and get matching tattoos about throwing axes, which <laughs> we did this year. I did that. Yes. Kylie was included, and so was Tay, Randy's partner. Michigan is widely known for its automotive industry, but I know it for lightning bugs, bonfires, humid hot summers, Meyer grocery stores, speedy or Speedway freezes from their gas station Speedway. It's like a Slurpee, but it's just a freeze. And actually, 7-Eleven bought Speedway, so now they're going to be actual Slurpees, which is kind of a bummer. Randy said they weren't going to change. I thought he said they were. Mm-mm. He said oh. that they were going to keep them the same. Hmm. Okay, well... That's better, I guess. I don't really have strong opinions about freezes and Slurpees, but Randy <laughs> does. <laughs> I just don't really drink either of them unless I'm in Michigan hanging out with my best good cousin. Your best good cousin. <laughs> and my also good buddy. the um, <laughs> Pinball Pete's Arcade in Ann Arbor and giant jars of cheese balls are what I always think of when I think of Michigan, even though they're not native to Michigan. Like, we have them here, too. I just, we always have them when we're in Michigan. It's not the same. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It, maybe my cousin's family just <laughs> likes them really a lot, so they're them. always there. But yeah, that's one of the first things your aunt said when she showed up at the house was, can I have some cheese balls? Yeah. And I was like, oh. <laughs> it's funny. There was a jar when we went there most recently. It was, I think I had a few, just... 
just for the sake of it, but they get stuck to you, the inside of your mouth like nobody's business if you eat too many of them. So Weird. I didn't. <laughs> I would have never guessed that about cheese. Well, they're they're like Cheetos, like the puffy like, Cheetos. Uh, Cheetos. You know what puffs? Spencer used to eat? Yes. Yes. So I was just, thinking like actual like cheese, like balls. cheese balls. No, no. Balls. We're not, not like we're not in Wisconsin. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> Um, anyway, yeah, that's, that's what I do in Michigan. Oh, also I wanted to plug Dan's downtown in Saline, Michigan, which is where my cousin's family lives for their peanut butter burger, which sounds gross, but it's actually delicious. And I really want to get more people to try it. All you do is you put peanut butter underneath the cheese before you put the cheese on a cheeseburger, just a little bit of peanut butter then slap the cheese on there. It melts. Then maybe you put some bacon on there on a plain bun it is fucking delicious. I'm making a face, but like I can't say anything. So I've never tried it. It might be really good. It is. It's Let's very good. try it, and we'll we'll talk about it next time. <laughs> or two next times. Three next. Two next times. times. We're double recording again tonight. Woot woot. Okay. What's new? I'll make you guys some peanut butter burgers one night. Okay. Oh, and the last note I have just says lighthouses because. <laughs> I remembered last minute that Michigan has more lighthouses than any other state because of all the giant lakes, which are basically their own seas, but they're freshwater, so they're technically lakes. Um, yeah, Michigan has a lot of lighthouses. I think it's like over 30. I've been to a couple of them. They're pretty neat. Most of them are like you can visit and go up inside them in their museums too. Growing up, we always had pictures and statues of lighthouses around the house. And pictures and figurines of ships mm-hmm. over the house, both from my dad. Like, he was obsessed with lighthouses. We had, like, blankets and pictures, and, like, they were all over. I don't know where they all went, but... That's so random. We used to, yeah. At least when we lived in California. It, that didn't migrate to uh, to Washington, that I was going to say, I never yeah. really saw yeah. that when I was at But house. I vividly remember um, that being huh. a staple in our house in California. Interesting. Oh, my dad told me this joke the other day, and he's been dying for me to tell people, so I have to tell <laughs> you, okay? Uh, what did, or why did Tigger look in the toilet? Something about poo. He was looking for poo. That's it. Yep. <laughs> oh, that's dumb. And he has been dying for me to tell someone that and to get his reaction, or that's, whoever's reaction. That's so dumb. He's been asking me to tell <laughs> No, I have a question. It's like a third grader came up with I know. That joke. He loves it. I love dad jokes, though. Like, that's, I think like they're all third grade. They're like punny yeah. third grade jokes. You sneaky little minx. <laughs> okay, what's your, what's your law? Oh, my law, let me pull it back up, is in order to keep a cow on Main Street downtown in Wayland, you must pay three cents per day. Oh, three that's pennies. That's pretty cheap. That's not a lot. It's good real estate. I have yeah. one. It says, police must inspect bathing suits in Rochester. Rochester. That's all it says? Yeah. No, what it. they're inspecting it for? No. Mm. Are they inspecting it for boobs? What about... Women cannot cut their own hair unless hubby says it's okay. <laughs> Dumb. And you cannot get drunk on a train. And you're not... Well, that seems reasonable. You're not allowed to paint sparrows and sell them as parakeets. <laughs> That also seems reasonable. <laughs> That's false advertising. And animal cruelty. <laughs> it's a twofer. Oh, 
Ooh, I have a, um, um, and, um, a, um, um, words. suggestion. Words. I have those. I have a suggestion for a special place to stop because we didn't go, um, when we were in Michigan in October. Um, the Vanity Ballroom building. I think that's what it's called. It was the, the dance hall. The abandoned dance hall that I really wanted to go to. Can you there go were, inside? There were two different yeah. ones. One of them was the the old grand. Oh, the old grand. One of them. I don't care which one. I want to go to one. <laughs> That's our okay. special stop. And you can go inside? Yeah. Cool. It's like abandoned. I mean, it's messy, but it, it's really cool. It was one of the many things that I like screenshot and I was like, let's go here. And Alex was like, why? And I was like, <laughs> look at it. And he's like, I love historic why? places like that. Or history in Me general. Too. I, like I didn't care about the history. I just wanted to go because it was abandoned. I like imagining, like, I like when you're going to, say, an abandoned place and you try to imagine when people were there, you know? That's yeah. one of my favorite things to do. Yeah. I just like history. Like when we went to the, <laughs> I want to say Pitcock, but it's not Pitcock. The Pit. The. Pittock. 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 Mansion in Oregon. Portland, yeah. Mm. That, that was really cool. Yeah, in Portland that Kylie and I visited. It's this old mansion and it um it's all like restored and supposed to look as it did when it was lived in and it's wow. just so like extra. A, I don't think a you lot guys of told the decor that. and we stuff have is really it was, extra. It was it was really cool. My only thing with buildings like that, and I understand why they do it, is they like rope it off. Excuse me, and I understand why they do it. But, like, I want to touch things. Right. <laughs> That's why they do it. I know. But, like, I want to know. Something about, I feel like it would be different than how it feels today. Yeah. That doesn't make But, like, you know, I wanted to touch everything and I couldn't. And then we also went and on, like, the website we found um, the Pittock Mansion on. I feel like we've talked about this before. Maybe. They were, like, they were, like, um, oh, this place is so haunted. Staff have said they've seen, like ghosts and felt like spirits blah 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 blah. and we were like that's so fucking cool let's go and then we get there and alex asks one of the people like right when we get in the building oh, you told me yeah this. he's like are there ghosts here she's like no <laughs> <laughs> that's we were, just people online that have said that none of the staff has ever experienced yeah i was haunting. like you could have lied to us i mean <laughs> honestly we probably looked really dumb going because i had like still strapped to my chest and we looked really like Tourists. Yeah, but... You have a child. You look so dumb. Well, no, it's like, why would you bring a child into a haunted house? (laughs) I guess. They could have lied. She's blind. They could have spiced up the experience. Yeah, she's blind. It's fine. It was cool either way. It was very cool. cool. It had a painting of a cat at the very end. Like, just some, like, regal painting of a cat. Yeah. I would love to see pictures. It was very majestic. And, like, that the painting cool. of the cat was on a lot of the merch at the gift shop. <laughs> I'll look up the picture right now. But um, first, are you done with your facts? I am. Okay. Who is going to tell their story first? Kinsey. Okay. That has made a lot of noise. Is this done? I don't know. Is it done? Yes. She's, like, trying to finish it as fast as possible. She's been chasing so she it with water. It, it is done. Okay. It's finished. It's it's finished. (laughs) Okay, so my story this week is, I wouldn't say it's super spooky. It's not a murder story, um, but we've all heard of the Bermuda Triangle. Did you know that there's a Michigan Triangle? You know, I 
In my youth, my childhood, I thought that the Bermuda Triangle would be a much bigger, like, deal in my life than it actually was. I think was. we all did. I just remembered, um, okay, so <laughs> this house that I went to go, I lived in for a while. It was the tiniest house. It's probably the size of this living room and only this living room. I lived in with my friend Emma and her baby. When I went to go tour this house, there was a kid living there. And he had a whiteboard in his room, and I'll see if I can find a picture of it. But he, he can, I think he was like eight. I think the realtor told me he was eight. And, and then he was like, yeah, everyone thinks this is really funny. But it's a whole diagram of the Bermuda Triangle. Like, <laughs> what connects to what? And he was like very into it. And it made <laughs> me and awesome. Emma laugh every time we thought about it. It's People so funny. People when you're young, for some reason, make you feel like the Bermuda Triangle is going to be a much bigger it's deal than it quicksand. actually is. And quicksand, and quicksand and fire ants for me. Oh. I thought I was going to have to deal with fire ants <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> yeah, I'll Every see if day. I can if I can find the picture. I'll put it up. But um, and like tsunamis, because we live on the coast, so there are like tsunami warning signs. Like we're not super close to the coast. We've got a whole ass could, bay between yeah. us and, yeah, and, and the we actual about, coast. Like, the islands, the islands. Yeah, the thing for us right. is the islands. Stop it, Long Beach. But weird. even like when I would go to Oregon, or even yeah, Long Beach, Washington, and there were the tsunami warning signs all around. I was like, I was thinking about it a lot. I was thinking <laughs> yeah. a lot. About, <laughs> This is our wrap like, out. Just I guess to I'm going to run up the hill really <laughs> fast and I should be able to I outrun always, it. I was always just like, if a tsunami comes, I'm just going to Courtney's house. Yeah, which is right next door to my house. Courtney, yeah. Yeah. When yeah, the, up 8th Street Hill. Yeah, which is like not like a super tall hill if you really think but, about okay, it. When the, um, I think it was the Japan tsunami, the really big one in recent history, my dad found this map online where you can put in your geographic location and you can simulate like water mm-hmm. level rising. My house, we'd be good for a long time. Like, a big wave coming anyway. Like, you just come to my house. Or my old house. So, my mom moved. But I felt safe because we would always look at those maps. And mm-hmm. yeah, he's like, we're good. Cool. I My house was way at the bottom of the hill and Same. only a couple blocks away from the water. So, yep. we probably would have been good. But, like we said, our county flooded recently. It was not from the ocean. It was from the rivers and the rainfall. And my parents' house was fine. Yeah, and like we said, we live um, in, like, an area where a lot of islands surround us, so it'd have to be, like, a pretty monstrous wave to, to do anything. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Um, Sorry. No, that's okay. I love Side that you brought that track up. shenanigans. I'll be about that because I will look for that picture. I forgot about it. You want to see the Pidock Mansion cat? Sure. <laughs> for a long time, I couldn't think of the Bermuda Triangle without thinking of that kid. Oh, he's cute. It's just, like, it's, it's just like it's a, a dope real... painting. Cute. Of a cute I was white I was cat. P- picturing like a cat in like a suit. You know they do those gimmick paintings now. Oh, like a like a. Um, no, it's just a fancy. It's really pretty. Like the dogs at the poker table mm-hmm. type thing. No, it's just a pretty cat. <laughs> so there is a Lake Michigan Triangle. It goes from Ludington to Benton Harbor, Michigan, to Manitowoc, Wisconsin. So it kind of hits all areas. I sent a picture to you guys. Man- Manitowoc. That's where Charlie Barons is from. We talked oh. about him last week, okay. a couple weeks ago. Um, much like the Bermuda Triangle. I don't like of- that it's not an even triangle. It's an isosceles. Yeah, it's an like isosceles, that. which seems appropriate for such a sinister location. It does, it does. Um, it has a long history of mysterious occurrences. The first occurrence happened in 1891. A boat named the Thomas Hume... H-U-M-E, was going across to pick up some lumber. There were seven men on the crew, and the whole boat disappeared overnight. The boat itself, it was, the lake was drug. Like, they were looking for these people. It happened with every wreck I'm talking about. They looked for it. 
It would be over a century until they would find the actual wreckage. Oh, they found it in 2006. Oh, and it was Damn. in the southern part of the lake. I don't know where the ship went down itself, um, but it was found in the southern part. Yeah, the uh, down near Chicago. Southern most southern of the southern part. portion of the lake is not included in the, the triangle. Map. Yeah, and like nothing was found. No bodies. No remnants. Nothing for a century. When we were visiting um, Mackinac City, which is at the top of uh, Michigan, um, I remember reading at one of the lighthouses, I think, about how how many shipwrecks there are in Lake Michigan mm-hmm. and, and Lake Huron, I think. Reading the and story. Something to do with the currents and the weather, it just is so common there, even with all the lighthouses. Seeing pictures, it's... Like the weather can turn on a dime, and those waves are insane, mm-hmm. which is so weird for a lake, but I guess that big. Yeah, it's yeah, it's huge. They're huge. The second occurrence happened in 1921 to the Rose Bell. It was carrying supplies, and it was found overturned. There were 11 passengers. So when this boat was found, it had seemed as though it had crashed into another ship, mm-hmm. but there were no other shipwrecks recorded at the time that this would have happened. So nothing, nobody ever was like, A ghost ship. So yeah. It, it was the Flying yeah. Dutchman. And it was found completely overturned. Well, the Flying Dutchman was actually the name of my dad's high school football team. Oh. Manchester Flying Dutchman. Oh. So it probably was the Flying Dutchman. Yeah, maybe. That they crashed into. <laughs> <laughs> the third occurrence happened in 1937. Captain George Donner, D-O-N-N-E-R, Donner, went to go rest in his cabin he told the crew to wake him up when they got close to shore. The crew went down. They found the cabin was locked from the inside. They mm. knocked the door down. And I'm not aware if there's any windows inside. I tried to look and nowhere did it state there were windows inside this cabin. The captain was gone. Oh, he vanished. He was never found again. What? I mean, like, even if there was windows, he just jumped into the lake. That's what I was thinking if there was windows, but they yeah. saw him go it's into his cabin. It's cold, cold water. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It's not tropical <laughs> up <Yeah>. in Michigan. <laughs> Never I mean, it gets hot in the, in, in the summer. Like I said, hot and humid, but. The fourth occurrence happened in 1950. Northwest Airlines Flight 2501 was flying from New York to Seattle with a stop in Minnesota for fuel. While over Lake Michigan, the plane had called into the air traffic control saying there was unexpected insane turbulence and they needed clearance to go down lower the air traffic control did not give them clearance but they did go down lower anyway they then disappeared off of the radar Mm. they seemed to disappear into thin air there were three crew members and 55 passengers the wreckage was never found that's crazy the only thing found was partial remains that washed up on shore nothing from the ship itself no whole human bodies partial remains so it had to be in the lake somewhere. Somewhere. Sorry. That's crazy. Yeah. Lakes are scary. Water is scary. Planes disappearing is scary. Stop talking I about like it. I, I want to be able about to... that a lot. Yeah, that's a big testament, though, to the size of the Great Lakes. Is like you, you hear about um, planes crashing in the ocean and getting lost, but in a lake? Yeah. Dang, it must be a big old lake. And they are. When I get onto a plane, I kind of just accept my fate. There's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> I don't drive the plane. 
So this next story is actually what took me into this rabbit hole because I found it and then I figured there must be more because it's called the Michigan Triangle. But get this. Okay. In 1978, a Hope College student, Stephen Kubak, was going on a solo cross-country ski trip. He was near... I don't know how to pronounce this. Maybe you do, Alex. It is S-A-U-G-A-T-U-C-K. Sagatuck. I didn't hear that. Oh, no. I've never heard of that before. Okay. It looks like Sagatuck. Sagatuck, Michigan. When he disappeared, hmm. um, snowmobilers found all of his equipment and just a few days later, and police found 200 yards of footprints that went onto the ice of the lake, and then they suddenly stopped, <clears> indicating <throat> to police that he must have Dropped through the ice, got hypothermia, you know, he was he just wasn't yeah. with us anymore. Fifteen months later, <clears throat> Stephen was located. He was in Pittsfield, Massachusetts, seven hundred miles away from Lake Michigan. I think I heard this this yes, part of the story. He has he claims he has no memory of what happened to him for the last year and a half. That's crazy. Um he woke up in a field of grass with his backpack full of random maps no suggesting way. to him that he had been traveling and what that he had quote weird clothes on. His shirt was from the Wisconsin Marathon and he's quoted saying that he felt like he was running a lot. Oh. What? But That's I, crazy. I searched and searched as like, where was this Stephen guy? Where was he? Where was he? He to this or to the day he died, basically claimed he had no, no memory. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Memory loss is so scary to yeah. me. That's something else. Add it to the list of scary things. How, memory loss. What was the time difference? Fifteen months. A year. Fifteen a little months. Over a year. Yeah. That's so weird. Yep. Insane. And he was woke up in a grass field seven hundred miles away. He woke up then? Fifteen months later? That's what he says. Yeah. Okay. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Some theorize that these occurrences have something to do with the Lake Michigan Stonehenge that was discovered in 2007, 40 feet below the surface of Lake Michigan. It is very similar in structure to the typical Stonehenge that we mm-hmm. hear about. Um, and people think that maybe... The energy from that has something to do with all these crazy things. Disappearances, Um, crashes, yeah. I couldn't find if it was in the Wisconsin Triangle or not, um, because they have never released the the location. The Michigan Triangle? Sorry, yes. Okay. The Michigan Triangle. They've never released the location because um, scientists are still doing research on it. I'm sure they don't want people, like, flooding to it. Yeah. Um, An interesting thing they found beside this Stonehenge was a boulder with the depiction of a mastodon on it Whoa. which has been extinct for ten thousand years yeah Whoa. that's crazy so they don't know when these were made basically that's insane mm-hmm. other tales told about the triangle has sorry that's okay has the lakes always been a lake i don't know like could they have been <sighs> land well, Pangea. well they could they have been a land and then Maybe. like Glacier flooding, rain, and that's then super just possible. started to become a lake. Yeah. I didn't look that up, but that's very possible. That's really interesting. Um, other tales about the Triangle. In 1883, crews aboard a tugboat called Mary McLean claimed they saw blocks of ice fall from the sky for 30 minutes. Whoa. Like blocks. Blocks. And they say that they kept one of them in a chest that they found. But the blocks were so big, they dented the wooden surface of this boat. Whoa. Wooden tugboat. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1919, 
witnesses observed an unusual bright light above the Michigan Triangle. They report seeing two large balls of fire fall from the sky into the water. This impact was so large that it shook the ground. Fire? Fireballs. Oh. That's what they're saying. From the sky? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. The New York Times at the time reported it as a huge meteor, but those who were there contest it and say, no, No. that's not what it was. Many UFO sightings have come from above the triangle, and odd and sudden weather phenomenons have happened, like rogue waves, random storms, like it could be clear, and then all of a sudden they say that just big waves come and knock things over. (laughs) Um, some say the triangle has UFO activity paired with the henge, hedge, Stonehenge, mm-hmm. um, centered in the lake. We don't know where the Stonehenge is, but they think that it's an alien, yeah. you know, yeah. um, landing site or like yeah. a place that aliens are drawn to. Some say that it's a portal to, through time or other dimensions, seeing as how some people were never found, the plane's gone Others suggest that it's an inexplicable electromagnetic field. Um, that's all I have. I would love to hear what you guys think. It's really cool. I, I had no idea we had one of those. I could not tell you what it is because I, once again, do not understand the Bermuda Triangle, let alone the Michigan Triangle. It's just so crazy to me that, like, there are places on our Earth where, like, occurrences could continuously happen like, no very similar occurrences mm-hmm. can continuously happen, and just, there's no answer. Yeah. I just, I feel like with how far we are in technology, there's just so many things that we should know. Right. And there's not. And yeah. it's irritating. This has been one of my favorite cases to um, look into. Mm-hmm. I just kept wanting to find more and more stories. Like, I love stories like this where in one spot, things keep happening. Yeah. And it's over, like, years. Like, the first one, what did I say? It was happened in... 1891, uh-huh. the first recorded one, um, in 1883 is when the blocks of ice came down. But that's been centuries now. Yeah. That's insane. And there's me. nothing, like, recent? Not that I could find, other okay. than the um, the 2006 finding in the Stonehenge. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But that was in 2006. Mm-hmm. Oh, my. 2007. Sorry. Oh. They found the shipwreck in 2006. They found Stonehenge. While looking for other shipwrecks, could you just imagine finding a shipwreck? I would love that. Fucking, no, you don't like going under the water. That's true, but I like history. <laughs> mm. No, I definitely very much enjoyed this case this week. That's very cool. It's very different than what we've covered, mm-hmm. so that was really cool. I like that. Thanks. Never going back to Michigan again. And for it to be over centuries, and the lake, yes, it's big, but it's, like you said, not as big as the ocean. I'm pretty sure all of my flights to Michigan have flown directly over that triangle. Because <laughs> if you're coming from Washington, and you're taking a yeah, direct flight well, to Michigan. Flight. Just cut it. <laughs> cut it out. No. <laughs> Actually, not could real. you um, redirect the plane? Yeah, you I really go around the triangle? Have yeah, you heard of the Michigan Triangle? <laughs> I don't like this. I would like to educate you. You don't like it. Okay, Kylie. Okay. Your turn. I'm going to warn you now, my case is a little... I know. It's Longer-ish. Longer-ish today. Um, there's a lot of facts about victims and deaths and whatnot. Um, is yours a murder case? Yeah. Um, and then I also want to warn 
there is a lot of talk about sexual assault and some information that is graphic. Um, I tried my best to um, not sugarcoat it because I didn't want to take away from what really happened, but not go into graphic detail. graphic detail. So there's one part that I kind of tried to rearrange the words and you can try to figure out on your own what happened. Okay. This isn't a gore podcast. No. <laughs> um, yeah, you should. When I was doing my notes, I was sitting in my living room with my whole family around, and I was just <laughs> typing, and I was like, no. <laughs> um, Did but, it go with the first set of pictures you sent? Yes. Okay. Um, this week, I am going to tell you a true crime story about the co ed killer, but not the co ed killer that most people think about, which is Ed Kemper, who is fucking yes. crazy. Yes. He's. Also, also, when I was doing my notes, I learned that he's like six five, six. He's huge. He's he's six foot nine. Yes. Six nine. That's fucking. You're tall. He's tall. Alex, yeah. how tall are you? I'm six, six foot last, three ish. Six two, six three. He's at least six inches taller. Ugh, that than is me. so scary. Could you just like imagine it being no. in somewhere dark and you turn around and he's just there, a towering ah! man? Well, oh I've I've met a guy who was six foot nine at. Uh, camp that I worked at and also I think a uh, guy an uh, exchange student went to our school who was mm-hmm. I around him. that high Dehan um, he was in our grade or a grade above us it's just scary yeah I think it was above us but those guys were both skinny and Ed, Ed Kemper Kemp was not skinny he's, he's, he's a, a he's big a guy. Guy. Yeah. yes yeah uh, anyway we're not talking about him <laughs> <laughs> This co-ed killer that I'm talking about was also killing around the same time as Ed Kemper. I actually think that this guy oh. started a little bit before Ed Kemper did. Um, but Ed Kemper just made a little bit more of a name for himself, mm-hmm. I guess. More finesse. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to say his name now because we'll get there. Sure. Um, but he is also known as the Ypsilanti Ripper. So mm. I was immediately was like, I'm doing this case because when we went to Michigan, we stayed with... Alex's um, cousin Randy and his his partner in Ypsilanti. And so I was like, oh, I wow. know that yeah, town. Yeah, live in Ipsy and we, we hung out in Ipsy for a whole day yeah. just walking around town. I didn't recognize any of the street names or whatnot, but I don't typically yeah, I recognize street names here. <laughs> but yeah. Um, my family, we found out that we have descendants from Manchester, where the Manchester Ripper was, and like around that time. Oh. We did the genealogy, like Ancestry or whatever. Um, dot com. Manchester Ripper in in England mm-hmm. and in London. The UK. It's um, I think there's a documentary about that mm-hmm. on Netflix. Yep. I started to watch it, but I didn't get very far. Yeah, so we're from that area, which is crazy. Interesting. Yeah. Glad my bloodline wasn't killed off. But do they have a world famous chicken broil? Oh my! They God. do not. Okay. <laughs> the first known victim, and I'm going to apologize too because there's. Once again, places that I probably won't be able to pronounce and last names I probably won't be able to pronounce. Even though we can pronounce Ypsilanti, even Ypsilanti. though it's spelled Y-P-S-I-L-A-N-T-I. You've heard, you've heard it, Have you seen Ypsilanti, though? Like, it, it, it is spelled so crazy. Oh, and it's it right not... Here. It's a weird-looking word. It's not... It's, we originally thought it was Native American. Yeah. But it's Greek, right? Yeah, it's Greek. It's a Greek name. <laughs> that makes more sense from the sound. We just automatically think Native because a lot of places Everything here, here is yeah, Native. All yeah, all are rude. Yeah. Okay, so the first known victim that is linked to the Ypsilanti Ripper was Mary Flezar, Flezar, a 19-year-old Eastern Michigan University accounting student. She's 19. Yes. She was last seen on July 9th, 1967, by a neighbor walking towards... She was seen by the neighbor, and she was walking towards 
her Ypsilanti apartment. This same neighbor had witnessed a young man in a blue-gray Chevrolet stop by the young woman and talk to her. But each time the young woman, he stopped by her multiple times, and each time he did, the young woman stopped her head and walked, stopped her head, shook her head. (laughs) Head, stop. Stop head. Shook her head. Yeah. I would like to tell everyone that both Kylie and I finished our drinks already. Before our second case. We've been saying that every podcast. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, She shook her head and walked away from the car. This happened twice. A little while later, her nude body was found by two 15-year-old boys on an abandoned farm at the Superior Township on August 7th of that same year. And what what did we say townships were? I still don't really understand. They're like little communities outside of big cities. That's what, that's basically how Randy explained it was it's like kind of the surrounding area. Yeah, so it sounded like. It's run by a slightly different it, government. If it was here, it would be like Custer. Oh, yeah, okay. I feel like that's the closest yeah. approximation. Um, her body had been so badly decomposed that she was only able to be identified via dental records. You said mm. that she initially went missing on, in July? She was last seen on July 9th. Right. And she was found on August 7th, mm-hmm. so it was only so like a month, month, but she was already so badly decomposed. It. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, the pathologist who examined her body had been able to determine that she had been stabbed approximately 30 times in the chest and abdomen with a knife or sharp object. Her feet had been severed at the ankles. What? The (laughs) Most of her fingers on one hand were missing, and that one of her forearms had been severed. You sure this isn't Kepner? I'm sure. No, Goodness. Kemper only got off your head. And, yeah. Actually. No, no. I don't want to. No. Much more. Sorry. I don't want to talk about him right now. <laughs> um, okay. But where was she found? In. Um, yeah. On an abandoned farm at the Superior Township. Oh, it's just like in the field? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'll get to it. Okay. Um, it is to note that none of these body parts were ever found. Oh. I was um, wondering. Eat them. It, I don't know. It is also thought that she was extensively beaten before her death. She had multiple abrasions on her chest and torso. And although police th- theorized that she had been raped, the advanced state of her decomposed body made it almost impossible to get conclusive evidence of oh. sexual assault. It's a bummer because that's an extra charge. Yeah. Now, like many other killers that we have heard of, the Ypsilanti Ripper went back and visited the body before it was found. He actually did this a couple times. It was revealed that the body had been moved three times throughout the month before it was discovered. How would they know if it's been moved more than once? Do you know? Well, they explain. Initially, the body was laying (laughs) on a pile of bottles and cans, and it was out of view due to the old elder tree. Then it was dragged about five feet from the elder tree and into a field where the body laid for the majority of the time. And after that, it was moved one last time about three more feet shortly before it was discovered. So I'm just, maybe it's how it's so weird. drag like marks, indents, blood, mm-hmm. whatnot. And, and insect and plant analysis and stuff mm-hmm. in the areas. And he was able to do this because it was so, it was abandoned. Like no one was around right. the area. Um, about two days after the remains were found and identified as Mary, a young man claiming to be a family friend arrived at the funeral home prior to, prior to her burial, asking for permission to take a photograph of her body as it lay in the coffin as a keepsake for her parents. Wait. Ew. Was it an open casket? 
No, I don't I think not. so. I don't know. She I don't was know. Unrecognizable, and he. I don't okay. think so. But he wanted to take pictures yeah. for her parents. Rigor mortis was the word I was looking for. Has to do with the blood pooling. Yes. Um. The funeral receptionist, of course, told him no. To which he said, "Quote: You mean I can't fix her? You, <laughs> sorry." To which he said, quote, you mean you can't fix her up enough so I can just get one picture of her? And That's nasty. That is so gross. Yeah. You can't just, like, throw some makeup on her? No, she's beyond recognizable, oh you gosh. dipshit. That's so gross. Once again, the receptionist told him no, and the young man left the funeral home. Although this was a really weird encounter um, that was very memorable, the receptionist could not offer any clear description of the man beyond that he was young, handsome, white, and had dark hair, and that he drove a blue, gray Chevrolet, and he was carrying, he was not carrying a camera. Hmm. So, like, But he wanted a picture? Yeah. I don't know. He just wanted to see her. Yeah. But he was driving the same car as the one that the eyewitness uh, saw right. her with last. Yeah. Which, hmm... Red flag. I don't know. I think the red flag is possibly, you know, can I take a picture of this body yeah. without a camera? Mm. With my eyes. Excuse me. For almost a whole year, there was peace in the township township of Ypsilanti. But sadly, <laughs> on July 5th of 1968, another body would be found. 20-year-old Joan Elizabeth Shell was from... Plymouth and had recently moved into Plymouth. the Plymouth and had recently moved into a house on Emmett Street in Ypsilanti. She was last seen by her roommate, Susan Coble, at Washingtona, 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 Washington. Something like that. Yeah. Well, oh, Washington. that looks like Washington, but you forgot the W. Washington Avenue bus stop on the evening of June 30th. The plan was that the two roommates would travel to the bus together and that Shell would take it to go see her boyfriend in Ann Arbor. But when it became clear that she missed the bus, she told her roommate of her plans to hitchhike there instead. These two townships are about 30-ish minutes away from one another. Cobell watched as the first car, a red and white Pontiac, Bonneville, Bonneville? Bonneville. drove past and then stopped. Inside were three young men. Three young white men. Let me just put that out. A there. white man. No. no! <laughs> the driver offered. <laughs> the dri- I don't know what you were expecting. The driver exactly offered offered Shell a ride. He was about twenty and had dark, short hair with a side part, as Cobell described. Cobell later went on to state that she tried to stop her friend and roommate from getting in the car, but Shella decided to go with the men, telling her roommate that she would call her as soon as she got to her boyfriend's house in Ann Arbor. Cobell mm. reported Shell missing three hours later when there was no call or contact at all. 1968, that doesn't seem out of the ordinary. Almost the 70s, to hitchhike. Oh, yeah, to hitchhike. Oh, but yeah. I mean, it's... it wouldn't. If she said she was going to call, she should have called... And it's only like a 30-minute no, no. drive. Yeah. Rough, rough. Our friend had good instincts. Yes. Oh, I'm never getting a hitchhiker's car. We learned that gut. first episode. Yeah. Like I said, on June 5th, a body was found. Sadly, that was the body of Joan. She had been found by some construction workers on an Ann Arbor roadside. She had been raped and then stabbed 25 times with a knife. Each was estimated to be, or which was estimated to be about four inches long. 
Several of her wounds had punctured her lung, liver, carotid artery, carot- carotid artery. That sounded really weird coming out of you my mouth. Right it's a weird time. phrase. And one additional would have been inflicted. One additional wound was inflicted behind her left ear, causing her skull to fracture. Her neck had also been slashed, and her miniskirt had been tied around her neck. It was believed that her body had been moved to this location due to there being a lack of blood near the body or beneath it. Also due to some eyewitnesses, the investigators came to believe that the body had only been where it was discovered for less than 24 hours. So no one had seen the body there the day previous, so it was... Right. It wasn't there. A weird thing about Shell's body was that even though she had been dead for several days, the lower half of her body was remarkably preserved compared to her head and shoulders and breasts, which were in advanced state of decomposition. This led the pathologist to conclude that her body had been stored in a natural cool environment, but with the upper third of her body being exposed to the natural heat, which the weather around this time in Michigan can get up to the 90s, and it's super humid. So she would know need Michigan to be got that. Oh, it gets hot. hotter than that. Yeah, at this time, it said. Yeah, thanks to global warming, it's like oh, one sure. yeah. yeah, and it's super humid. So she would have needed to be somewhere like, very shaded and very mm-hmm. cool, or somewhere where the lower. Are half they of trying it? to say like the lower half of her body was indoors and the upper half was outside? I don't know. Maybe it was Not indoors or under tree or it's in so a creek. Weird. Maybe yeah, cold. I don't know. They didn't know. Um, due to the outstanding similarities between Shell and Flizer's Flizer's wounds, oh god, investigators were able to establish a definite connection between the two murders. It was at this point that four detectives were assigned to work on the case full-time. Despite tracing and eliminating more than 150 registrated owners of red and black vehicles in the state of Michigan and establishing alibis for numerous individuals who bore resemblance to the driver that Cobell, the roommate, had described, all investigative lines of inquiry into the murder of Joan Shell failed. On August 18th, it was announced that all significant leads had been exhausted and that the number of officers on the case had been reduced. Two months after Shell's murder, two eyewitnesses came forward to police to inform them on Shell. They said that they had seen Shell walking with a young man along Emmett Street on the evening of her disappearance. Neither witness was completely sure, but they both believed the young man to be John Norman Collins a student at Eastern Michigan University. Collins lived directly across the street from Shell, and his physical features bore likeness to the driver of the vehicle that Shell had entered. When questioned, Collins flatly denied even knowing the young woman and insisted that he had spent the weekend of June 29th to the 30th with his mother um, at her house in Detroit, um, and that he had not returned to Ypsilanti until the morning of July 1st. Ypsilanti and Detroit are about 35 miles apart. It's not super far. So he could have have done it. He could have done it and got back to his mother's. For sure. But police took him at his word. And they didn't seek to verify his alibi. Nice. That's frustrating. They, uh... I was excited because it seemed like they caught on that it was a serial killer pretty quickly after only the second victim. But now they're back to doing shoddy police work. Yes, easy work. Um, this is where I believe the killer, like, after the story I tell you and then so on, is where I believe the killer has gotten a little bit more confident. 
Um, well, yeah, he just talked to the police and got away with it. Like, well, we don't know he was the one who did it. Okay. We don't know. <laughs> but um, on March 20th of 1969, a 23-year-old University of Michigan law student named Jane Louise Mixer had disappeared after posting a note on a college bulletin board seeking a lift across the state to her hometown of Muskegon. Muskegon? Muskegon? I guess. Mm-hmm. I like that we keep asking Alex for the pronunciations. <laughs> Alex is our resident know-it-all about Michigan. It's um, Muskegon. She planned to tell her family about her engagement and eminent moving. Muskegon? Oh, you tell me. Her eminent Michigan. No. Her <laughs> eminent move to New York. She never got a chance to tell her family of this exciting news. She was found on March 21st. Her body was fully clothed and was covered by her own raincoat. Next to her body was a copy of Catch-22, which... Weird. Reported wasn't hers, so it's kind of weird. Um, Symbolism. Yeah. She was found atop a grave in Denton Cemetery in Canburin Township which is 16 miles away from campus and about 188 miles away from her hometown. Whoa. An autopsy revealed that Mixer had been shot twice in the head with a 22 caliber caliber pistol, then garroted? Garroted. Garroted with a pair of nylon stockings that were concluded to have not belonged to her. That's and weird. he mixed up his M.O. Yeah. And garroted is killing someone by strangulation. Um, you can typically, like... Have something connected to the back and twist it. I looked it up because I didn't fully know. It just said that. I was like, oh, that's a fancy word for strangulation. Strangulation. So I wanted to know. I think it means specifically with an implement instead of just with your Your bare hands. It says it can include materials such as rope, cloth, um, cable ties, fishing line, nylon, guitar strings, telephone cords, or piano wires. So many fun choices. Something that's not your hands. Um... The pathologist had also stated that Mixer had not been sexually assaulted and that she had not been killed at the location she was found at. Although she had not been sexually assaulted, it is believed that that was the motive. She was found with her tights lowered, exposing her thighs in a sanitary napkin, which is a a pad. I don't like that they call it that. I never napkin. Know. A sanitary napkin. Like that. That's that's what a, a lot of the times it's called is a sanitary napkin and like reports. I feel like that's what you get when you order buffalo wings. They come with a sanitary napkin. those things. It's to call it a pad. <laughs> we call it sticks and bricks. Really? Yeah. What? Um, okay. Do you want me to explain? <laughs> Stick is a tampon. Yeah. A brick is a pad. I, I, I get that. it now. Yeah. even though she had not been beaten stabbed or mutilated her um her status as a student and the tying of a garment around her neck and the proximity of her abduction um and the way she was murdered led investigators to tentatively link her murders to the two others Mm. just a short Four days after discovering Mixer's body, on March 25th, a server a surveyor had oh, discovered no. another body. Oh, that's quick. Um, this was identified as 16-year-old Romul- Romulus high school student named Marilyn Skeleton. She had disappeared while hitchhiking in Ann Arbor. She was last seen alive outside a drive-in restaurant on Washington Washington Avenue two days 
um, before her body was discovered. She had been discovered behind a vacant house on a remote rural section of Earhart Road, just a few hundred yards from where the body of Joan Shell had been, been discovered just eight short months earlier. The investigators that were called to the crime scene described the injuries inflicted upon the victim as being the worst he has seen in 30 years of police work. The autopsy revealed that the victim had died of... Oh, what did I do? I'm sorry. I clicked my screen. I am so sorry. The autopsy revealed that the victim had died of numerous fractures that covered one third of her skull and one side of her face all of which had been inflicted by a heavy, blunt object. Skeleton had been extensively beaten and tortured. Her killer had placed a section of her own shirt into her trachea to muffle her screams as as she received extensive blunt force trauma to her face, head, and body, including several deep lacerations that were believed to have been inflicted with a leather strap. Mm. This is where it kind of... Gets bad. Warning. Yeah. Um, There were also welt marks on her chest and shoulders that indicated that the killer had also used restraints to hold her down as he killed her and attacked her. Um, And then he used an eight-inch branch from a nearby tree to sexually assault 16-year-old skeleton. Oh, my gosh. It's just skeleton. Skeleton? Yeah. Oh, I like skeleton. Skeleton. I wrote it once, and I can't get it out of my head. Blood blood patterns and um, churned soil close to the crime scene indicated that she had been beaten close to where her body was discovered, and that she may have tried to escape her attacker. She was linked to the other cases because of similarities between the murders, um, and that she was also found with a garter belt around her neck. So, like, the one big thing that kind of is happening with all these murders as they're all found with some sort of clothing item around their neck, which is kind of like the tube sock murders. I don't know. Maybe I have an M.O. It's like a lot of murders. Mm. They're so weird. And she was found really close to where um, I like that you Joan both was found. I like that you both have the little maps open. Yeah. Th- well, she sent, Kylie sent us a, a picture that is a map of the area, and it has a picture of every... Um, victim's face and their name and where, when they were found and it points to where on the map they were found. And they're all like relatively close. close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're all within, looks like 10 miles of each other. Um, the killer had just started to accelerate their attacks. So like I said, he was getting a little bit more confident. It's no longer like years apart. These are like days. Um, by early April, five separate jurisdictions had con- collectively assigned 20 investigators to work exclusively on the four homicides. Mm. Little physical evidence existed beyond eyewitness descriptions and forensic reports. It is also to note that all victims were brunette, Caucasian, um, each had um, been found within a 15-mile radius of um, Washtenaw County. Each victim's body had been found... Um, with a with a piece of clothing tied around their necks, each woman had um, also been menstruating at the time of their deaths. What? Oh, yeah. How would you know that? I don't like that part at all. I don't know how the killer would that's, know yeah, that, I mean. but yeah, it's like another case from I believe Ireland Yuck. where he went after. I think he was like Pastor John. I think is what they called him. But each one of his victims were also menstruating. Maybe he saw them like buying supplies yeah. or something. Maybe, but that's just 
not it's so it's, weird. It's it's weird. That's a weird part of the yeah. Um, these details, along with similarities in injuries and causes of death, uh, made it easy to link at least three of the murders thus far. On April 16th, at about 6.30 a.m., the body of 13-year-old schoolgirl school named Diane Louise Basm. Dawn? Dawn, okay. I was just going to say, I have a, it auto-corrected. Um, so, gotcha. I, so on my screen, it's not correct. Yeah, the so picture says Dawn. Um, Dawn was last seen alive at 7.30 p.m. the previous night walking home from a friend's house, which was only a mile away from her own. She had been accompanied um, part of the way home by a friend. Um, his name is Earl Kidd, who informed police that he and um, Dawn had parted ways at a desolate road just five, five blocks from her house. Dawn began walking alone alongside a railroad track towards her home. One eyewitness reported seeing a girl minutes after at 7.35, although after this moment, her movements cannot be verified. Dawn's body was discovered discarded beside a desolate road in Ypsilanti. She was found only in a white blouse and bra, which had been pushed up around her neck. She had been repeatedly stabbed in the chest, genitals, and had received multiple slash wounds across her breast, buttocks, and stomach. She was killed by being strangled with a two-foot length of electrical flex um, that was still knotted around her neck when she was found. A handkerchief was found stuffed in her mouth and had likely been placed there to muffle her cries. Um, her murder had placed her body in a location where it would be easy to find her. Um, like, her discovery would be um, pretty rapid, pretty quick. Um, and even with all of her injuries, investigators found no definite evidence of um, her um, being subjected to any sexual assault prior to her murder. It's interesting how he would place the victims, whether they could be seen easily mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. A lot of his victims, he kept somewhere else and would move around a, bo- a right. bunch. But then he started being like, oh, I'm going to place you where I think you're going to be found. And it's just crazy to me that killers can do that and then like just think they can get away with it right yeah come and find me okay you're found it's always weird to me that there are like like equal amounts of serial killers that go through drastic measures to dispose of or hide their victims bodies and then there's some that just leave them out Mm -hmm. yeah like they have no cares and they care too much and then some don't care at all yeah and they can go for equally long without getting caught It's, it's bizarre um, the orange sweater belonging to Dawn was found in a deserted, 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 I need to go back to school, um, farmhouse just a hundred yards from the desolate road on which her body had been placed after her murder. Glass found in the basement, basement of the house had matched glass that was found on the soles of her shoes. Further investigation of the basement further investigation of the basement led investigators to find more of Dawn's clothing, um, the electrical flex um, that was the same type that was used to strangle her, and fresh human blood stains, indicating that this is where she had been murdered. Even more investigation into this building um, provided more of Dawn's clothing and an earring that had belonged to Skelton. 
Each item had been deliberately placed in this location, indicating that the murderer had returned to the scene of the crime and that these two girls were mur- that these two girls murderers were linked. So like they went there and found like her sweater and the glass and the blood right. and then they left and they came back and they found more of her clothes and skeleton's earring. So like he had oh. went back and been like oh. boop, I'm gonna place that earring right there and like that's she can't figure this yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Killers just think they can get away with anything and just go back to the scene of crime. They just like confusing. Yeah. And I think and... aren't most serial killers <laughs> narcissists? Yes. They just think that they're smarter and yes. better than everyone. Yes. Um, on June 9th, less than two months after the murder of Dawn, three teenage boys found a body of a 21 year old University of Michigan graduate student named Alice Elizabeth Kelm who had disappeared shortly after midnight on the morning of June 8th. So she had only been missing for a day-ish. Did you say this is Alice? Yes. I think it's Callum. Callum? K-A-L-O-M. Um, she had last been seen walking towards her apartment um, on Thomas Street, having just attended a friend's party. Her body was found partially nude in a field... Um, close to an abandoned farmhouse on North Territorial Territorial Road. The victim had received multiple slash and stab wounds to the body, two of which pierced her heart, a gunshot wound to her forehead before her neck had been cut through to her spine. Jeez. It's a little overkill. Yeah, that is deep. Um, The victim's right thumb had um, had also received a gunshot wound, um, it suggests that she tried to raise her hand to protect herself. Um, that would make sense. Yeah. Um, self-defense. She had also been raped, although the pathologists were unable to determine whether if this whether this act had happened before or after her death. <laughs> this is a really heavy case. I'm really sorry. It's a lot. I've covered my share of heavy cases. Yeah. Um, by the spring of 1969, public outcry regarding the murders committed by the individual were increasing, particularly particularly among the student population of Ann Arbor and Ypsilanti. Many female students opted to arm arm themselves with knives and others opted to use the buddy system, only traveling with trusted male friends or in groups of three or more. Sales of tear gas, knives, security locks increased, which I don't understand the tear gas. Pepper spray? Maybe, maybe. Have you ever heard, this is so off topic, but have you ever heard the story of how I pepper sprayed myself? I think so. Oh, okay. I climbed, like, onto some cupboards, onto our counter, and my mom had hit it up on the top, and I picked it up, and I was like, oh, what's this? And I pressed the spray. It was it was pepper spray. <laughs> it didn't feel good. You were just a kid. I was just a kid. What if I said no? I was, like, this old. <laughs> um, I would still believe it. Um, that's rude. Hitchhiking became <laughs> a rarity among students, and the reward offered for information leading to the rest and conviction of the murderer increased to $42,000. By July of 1969, more than 1,000 convicted sex offenders had been investigated and eliminated as suspects. Over 800 tips from informants had been actively investigated, and several thousand individuals were routinely interviewed. But nothing, they couldn't get anything. The final murder that was attributed attributed in, attributed to the killer was that of 18-year-old Karen Sue. Um, Binam? Binam? 
Alex? Benamin. Benamin. An Eastern Michigan University student who was last seen alive on July 23rd, 1969. She was reported missing by her roommate. Um... Sherry Greenard. Greenard? Greenard. No, it's just Sherry Green. For some reason, it added weird. <laughs> um, Karen failed to return to her dorm after curfew. She was last seen at the downtown wig shop. Three days after she was reported missing, her nude body was discovered face down in a wooded folly alongside her on River Parkway. A medical examination revealed that Karen had been extensively beaten on her face and body, with some lacerations being so severe um, that sections of her skin were removed. She had received extensive um, skin and brain injuries, which had been um, inflicted with a blunt instrument, had been forced to ingest a corrosive substance, and her neck and shoulders, nipples and breasts had been burned with the same Mm -hmm. substance. As like those before her, the killer had placed a section of cloth in her throat to muffle the sounds of her screams. In further examinations, it had been reported that she had been raped prior to her murder and that um, her torn panties had been forcefully placed in her vagina. These panties revealed presence of human semen and 509 human hair clippings measuring less than three-eighths of an inch upon the material. Clippings? DNA clippings, yeah, clippings. Like somebody, I don't know. What? I don't know. I don't know. You, there's no more information about that. I don't know. These clippings were blonde, and such did not belong belong to the victim, seeing as she had dark brown hair. And most of his victims were brunettes, you said, right? Yes. And if you look back to the other like eyewitnesses, all the other females were seen with a brunette man. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know who the blonde clippings came from. I'm just going to put that out there now. Wow. Um, mindful to the fact that the serial killer eventually returns back to the site of his previous murders to move the bodies, police theorize that he may also attempt to return to the latest crime scene. Karen's body had been replaced by a tailor's mannequin, and the goalie surrounding the mannequin had been monitored by undercover officers. At approximately 2 a.m. the following morning, in the midst of a heavy and humid storm, one of the officers observed a young man running from the goalie. The officer could not radio in, although he attempted to, due to the storm. That sucks. Yeah. And no one saw him go in, but they saw him come out. They saw, the one man saw him run out, but he couldn't. I don't know why he didn't chase him down and question him, but I'm not one to, it's just happened, I can't change it. Um... Police also retraced Karen's steps of her last day. They visited the wig store and talked to the owner of the shop, um, Diana Gosh. Um, Gosh recalled that Karen visited the store and bought a $20 headpiece in the early afternoon. She also recalled a young man with a, sh- with a short, with short dark hair and a side part um, wearing a hor- horizontal swipe. Wearing a horizontal striped sweater, waiting on a blue motorcycle outside the shop. He seemed to be waiting for Karen. Karen told Gosh that she had made two foolish errors in her life. Purchasing a wig and accepting a ride from a stranger before before stating. Why is purchasing a wig an error? I don't know. 
In her shop? I don't know. Yeah, she told the shop owner, this is a mistake. This is an error. Um, yeah, she said those things before stating, I've got to be either the bravest or the dumbest girl alive because I've accepted a ride from this guy. Did they say what color the wig is? No. It could have been blonde. Could have been. Could have been. Um, she then walked out of the store and got onto the back of the motorcycle and drove off with this man. Gosh originally had thought that the motorcycle was a Honda 350 model, but then police questioned um, Carl Weisen... Weiser car? Weiser car? The clerk in a store adjacent to the wig shop. He correctly identified the model as a triumphant. Trumpet. Triumphant. Triumph. Triumph. <sighs> the description that the shop owner gave to the police sounded vaguely familiar to the description that the other eyewitnesses had given. Specifically, the eyewitness from Shell's murder and the person that was described as John Norman Collins. He had also been seen riding his motorcycle around Eastern Michigan University campus on at the afternoon of July 23rd. Don't be a serial killer and drive around a recognizable blue motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Right. When questioned about his movements on the 23rd, he admitted to be riding on his motorcycle in the vicinity um, of the area and had stopped to conversate with a former girlfriend of his. The former girlfriend was able to provide two recent photographs of Collins. And when these photos were shown to Gosh and her assistant, both women were adamant that that was the man in the photographs. And he was the same individual that had been last seen with Karen. Now, John Norman Collins was born June 17th, 1947. He was the youngest of three. Soon after his um, birth, his father abandoned him and his mother. Shortly after that, she remarried, but that marriage only lasted a year. Both of her husbands were abusive to her and the children, and both were alcoholics. It was reported that his stepfather once threw him across the car at his mother. On another occasion, his stepfather used him as a shield when confronted oh by God. another man with a gun. What wow. the fuck? And I mean, this the stepdad was only around for a year. So, like, he had to be young. Yeah. Yeah. He moved from Canada to Detroit with his mother around the age of four, um, where his mom married William Collins, who adopted John and his two siblings. William had also, or was also a violent drunk, and the marriage only lasted until 1956. He graduated high school and was an honor student, tri-captain of the football team, president's club, president of the C club, and a star pitcher on the baseball team. He dated regularly. The girls he dated stated that he was angry most of the time and was sexually aggressive. Mm. Shocker. Yeah. After school, he enrolled in Eastern Michigan University where he studied education and was, I think, going into, like, elementary education. Which no. is Yeah. And he was a Theta Chi. He was in Theta Chi fraternity, um, which he was later kicked out of on suspicion of stealing, which is... I feel like there are a lot of other people out there who um, should be kicked out of fraternities um, <laughs> for a lot of worse reasons, like rape <laughs> and beating of a woman um, very recently. But that's all I'll say on that. Um, from here, this is where he kind of went downhill. His grades started to drop and he began to commit petty theft just for the thrill of it. He once found out his sister was pregnant from another man, which 
it sounds weird that they phrased it like that. Like, yeah. she's pregnant from another man. Uh, who who else would she be pregnant from? You know, like, John? No, that's weird. <laughs> um, and he beat the man unconscious and then hit his sister until she bled, calling her a tramp as he did it. And then this, this led up to when um, the first victim went missing. Hmm. And then it is said that around the time that he was... Um, taken in for questioning. Um, he was staying at his uncle's house. His uncle's house. He was watching it while they were out on vacation. And that when the police went to arrest him there, um, they you know surveyed the house and there were stains in the basement that were covered like freshly covered with paint or some sort of like lacquer. Mm. Um, and that there had been a bunch of hair found in the basement that was similar to um, Karen's and then also similar to the um, hair that they found on the, um, the underwear. Um, and I believe they said it was by the dryer. I don't know if that's important. Um, and they also mm. said that like the house was a mess. And when that family came back um, and like looked through the house, the wife was the wife, the mom who lived there was like the house was destroyed. Like there was stains on the walls, like everywhere. How long were they gone? Did it say? Um, I didn't read that part. I didn't. I didn't see. So this is just where he got arrested. So it's yeah. What they're what they think is this is where he killed Karen. Do they think it's where he killed the rest of them too? No. I thought that it seemed like the rest of them were killed pretty close, at least yes. to where they yeah, were yeah. found. Yes. Okay. No. They didn't say anything else about. That but they think they he killed, killed Karen yes. in the basement yeah. at the house he was house sitting. Yes. Okay. For his uncle, um, who I believe was part of like law enforcement or Ooh. the law system. Somehow, I believe I read that. Um, Gross. On August first, nineteen sixty-nine, John Norman Collins was formally arraigned for the murder of Karen. He was held what? without bail. What? He was arraigned. That's what it says. And that means that he means, goes to court. Uh, I'll look it up. Either way, he was he was sent to court without bail. Okay. That's what the website said was arraigned. I can't um, remember what that word means. Sorry if that's incorrect. <laughs> um, the trial of Collins bega- began on June 2nd, 1970 in Ann Arbor. Just means to go to court. Yeah. Mm, Even though okay. it was suggested they move the court to a different jurisdiction, the suggestions were ultimately rejected. And 14 members of the jury were selected from Ann Arbor and considered satisfactory by both counsels. So defense and, you know, everyone was happy with who was there. I understand why they would have moved it yes. because that was very, like, sensational. Yeah. Well, he, so he's just being charged with the one? Yes. Okay. That's the one they can prove right now. Right. Upon recommendation from his lawyers, Colin chose not to testify in his own defense. Smart. That's good. Smart. Most, I think most people accused of murder don't, aren't, they don't, their lawyers don't usually let them testify. Right. <laughs> Stupid. On August 19th, 1970, Collins was found guilty of first degree murder of Karen. He remained impassive upon hearing the jury foreman announce the verdict. Um, it is said that many specters gasped audibly and that his own mother and sister left the courtroom in tears. On August 28th, he was formally sentenced to life imprisonment with no possibility of parole. Good. Get him off the streets. Although they were, they never tried him for the other murders, 
Um, physical and circumstantial evidence existed in each case indicating that Collins had indeed committed these murders. He never said he did. They never tried him for it. They just all were He's like, already, he did yeah. it. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder why they didn't pursue that. It seems like usually they try to get him for as many as they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he was already going for life without yeah, parole. Like they try to get justice for the other the families too, I yeah. guess. I don't, yeah. I don't know. Um, this man had a lot of demands when he was in prison. Uh, I didn't. I don't know. know. You could demand things in prison. <laughs> I, they weren't like demands, but they were uh, like, demand like, to be uh, let out. Request. Um, I didn't. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't write them all down because, like, I was like, "This is really dumb. No one should be able to request this much." Um, but in October of 1977, Collins was moved from Southern Michigan Prison to the Marquette Branch Prison. Um, a more secure facility um, due to his repetitive dealing in contraband drugs and conspiracy with other fellow inmates to escape. Oh. On July 11th, um, 2005, his 62-year-old nurse named Gary Earl Letterman was charged... Oh, sorry. It wasn't his. On on that date, a... 62-year-old nurse named Gary Earl Letterman was charged with the murder of Mixer, who is considered to be one of Collins' victims, but her murder was slightly different than the others. Um, Let's see if I can find that. She... um, She was the one, I believe, who was found... um, Mixer? Mixer. Jane... Jane Louise Mixer. She was the one who was found on top of a grave. Oh, that's right. Um, and she was the one who was shot in the head. So mm. a little bit different. Um, but it turns out that this other man did it. Mm. Um, Collins decided to change his last name to his biological father's last name of Chapman. Um, he is currently serving out his life sentence. He continues to maintain his innocence and has refused offers of polygraph polygraph tests. And he's just living his life in jail? Like, that, yeah. What were some of his demands? They were just, he wanted to be moved. He wanted his name changed. Oh. He didn't want to be a part, he didn't want to be a part of some program in, in jail that they wanted him to be a part of, and he just, like, didn't want that. He was just an interesting man. Hmm. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad they caught him. Yeah, and I mean, like, murder stopped after he was caught. So, like, whether he was in or not, it stopped. And he's serving life, so. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really good one to, you know, sit around my family and, like, (laughs) type. Lovely details. Yeah. Like I said, I didn't cut some of it out. Sorry. No, I think it was fine. Did, Did you say what? what he was like at the time when he was committing the murders? Like, did he have a job? Did he have friends, family? Um, he had a job. I didn't read much into it. Um, I don't remember what they said. He did have a job. He didn't have, like, his own family. He did have his mom and his sister and whatnot. Um, but he was, he was a thief. He was doing petty theft. He had, like, horrible anger issues. He was beating his pregnant sister and the the man who knocked her up. Um, 
And yeah. he got kicked out of his frat. Kicked out of his frat. Like, he he went downhill. And it's, it's crazy to me, because, like, he did have such a bad childhood. But then, like, in high school, he was an honor student and was, like, a captain of the football team, a star pitcher, um, president of the C club, which I don't know what the C club is. But, like, he seemed to do well for a while, or American. at least pretend. And but that could be because one or both of his parents were basically forcing him yeah, to. Yeah, true. Or, like, school's the only place safe for him. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then he wanted to be a an elementary teacher, which is not good. No. Very glad he didn't ever enter a classroom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. All right. Oh, that guy's really gross. Yeah, I mean, like, he's a good-looking guy. Yeah, his, not now, but, like... <laughs> no, not now. Oh, God, not now. But that motorcycle picture, whew! Yeah, like... He, I don't know if I would have said no again on the back of that motorcycle. You guys are gross. I would have been like, yes. Like, there's a picture of him walking into court, yeah. and I'm just like... Like, people say that uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, Dahmer was not, cute. He was not. Ted Bundy. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Ted Bundy was cute. He's not. <laughs> this guy, a lot cuter. Obviously, in retrospect, we would never do that. But no, I co- when I you're in college and you you're... You do stupid shit. Yeah. It's, some guy, some like, hot guy comes up and is... <laughs> <laughs> some hot guy comes up and you want to ride on my motorcycle? Like, I, I probably would have said yeah. No. <laughs> it's hiking. But I think that's all we have this week. Alex, where are we going next week? Next week, we're on our way to Sandusky, Ohio to visit Cedar Point... And ride some roller coasters. Not to be confused with Iowa, um, where I thought we were going. <laughs> yeah, Kylie texted the group chat last week. Okay, I've picked my case for Iowa. <laughs> okay, that's great, babe, but the next state is Ohio. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Mackenzie said. She said it's okay, babe. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Do we have anything else to cover? No, follow us on Instagram at abc underscore murder underscore pod. Mm-hmm. You can email us suggestions for cases um funny laws funny laws facts about places um if you email us cases you can also send us in drinks to go with that and we can start doing mini episodes um or complaints i guess you can send us complaints at um abcmurderpod at gmail.com yeah, if we messed up anything any pronunciations or all the time um, i do that all the time i'm so sorry any hate will be read by me Tell yeah. us how to say That'll Muscadon. be another new, like, mini-series is Mackenzie's just going to read us hate, and it'll just be Alex, like, saying, uh-huh, and Kylie crying. And then I'll <laughs> give you my opinion. Um, but yeah. That's it. That's it. Bye. Bye. Later. Wow. A song to you, first state of mine. Michigan, my Michigan. But greater song than this is thine, Michigan, my Michigan. The whisper of the forest tree, the thunder of the inland sea, united in one grand symphony of Michigan, my Michigan. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree.